Morning, church. If you will turn with me (laughs) to Luke chapter 24, please. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, 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 answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they, had, that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and begin with Moses and all the prophets? He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were, as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, <clears throat> saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, do not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. 
Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them, as, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted, from, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for uh, your word. Uh, it's amazing the power that it has, the ability that it has to open eyes and to change hearts, Lord. It's amazing that we have it so well put together, this many years removed from this day, from this event uh, of your sacrifice. And so I, I praise you for your word. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would uh, be amongst us that uh, it would open eyes, that we would understand, that we would have discernment. I pray that you would be with Jackie and give him uh, wisdom in the word. Lord, I pray that as we go through this passage that it wouldn't just be... It wouldn't just be another Sunday passage, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts, that we would recognize that we are separate from you and that we needed you to step down and grab our hand. That it took you putting yourself up on the cross, delivering yourself over to be the sacrifice that we needed. I pray that it changes our hearts. I pray that we would do what you called the disciples to do, Lord, that we would tell people, especially as the day comes close, that it wouldn't just be another Easter Sunday, Lord, that, that the, the pews or the chairs are full and, and there's plenty of extra people and I just, I just pray that when those new people come, that we would seek somebody out, that you would lay somebody on our heart that's new, that doesn't come, and we would reach out to them, and we would make them feel welcome, and that we would explain to them, that we would show them, that we would, we would give a reason for the hope within us. So I just pray that you're with us this morning, and that you prepare our hearts. In your mighty name, amen. So have you guys ever been confused or disappointed? <laughs> Judging from the laughs, I'd say a few of us have, maybe. One of the things that we never want to lose sight of is that when we look at Resurrection Morning, which we'll, we'll really focus in on next week, but when we look in on, on Resurrection Morning, we have to remember that that was a day that was super confusing and disappointing. Now, if we think about our own lives, this is what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God is rooted in reality. And in our reality, in our lives, there are days of great confusion and disappointment. And when we're confused and disappointed, it's really hard to see Jesus. It's really easy to see all the problems. It's really easy to see the struggle. It's really easy to see the suffering or the pain or the hurt. 
or whatever things you know we might put our focus on. Those things are easy to see. But the reality is that Scripture, as it lays out this, this road to Emmaus for us, gives us the story of how we move from disappointed and confused to faith. And in our lives, we're going to have lots of roads to Emmaus. We may not, on our own, be dealing with the death, burial, resurrection of the Messiah, but you are going to be confused and disappointed. Something you thought was going to happen won't happen. A healing won't come. A deliverance won't, won't take place. I love that we sing the song, Though You Slay Me, because that comes straight out of Job. And probably the most powerful verse in the book of Job is, Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Because it doesn't matter. My circumstances in my life are not more important than who you are. So I trust you. Now the way we get to there is to be able to overcome our confusion and disappointment. That's the story of the book of Job. Job's confused and disappointed, right? Things aren't turning out the way he thought. The disciples here, confused and disappointed. Things didn't happen the way we thought they were going to happen. And so we find ourselves in a place where what we understand from the story is that God wants to interject himself into your circumstance. But just like those guys on the road to Emmaus, we can't always see him. Sometimes we have to pray to have eyes to see. Because we get blinded by, I get blinded by myself. My want, my desire, my whatever. And my focus can get so distracted by that that I lose track of, of the road God's calling me to walk. So as we look at the road to Emmaus, just remember, just recognize the reality of the story. It's not some biblical story far away that we can't relate to. It's just something we go through, you know, monthly, yearly, weekly, I don't know. How many times you get disappointed? But we want to learn. We want to learn to see when Jesus is beside us to bring us comfort. Because it doesn't always look like we think it's going to. Right? Let's take a look. It says in verse 13, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Now, we know one of the guy's names is Cleopas, but we, we're never told the other guy's name. Now, in ancient literature, you know who would leave themselves out of the story? The guy who's writing. Remember John? John says that he kind of leaves himself out a few times, doesn't mention, oh, this was me, except when he beats Peter in the race. Right? That's his one bragging point, running to the grave. But uh, same kind of an idea. Well, maybe it's Luke. We don't know. It's silent. But, but wouldn't that be interesting? Oh, Luke and Cleopas running, walking down to the road to Emmaus. They've left. These aren't part of the, uh, part of the, the, the 12. It's part of the larger group. So they're, they were there in the upper room. They're gathered in that place. They, they're like, okay, well, we got to go to Emmaus. So they leave, just so you can kind of get in track what's going on. The ladies have come back and said, he's not here, he's not here. Peter and John run back, right? Run to the tomb. Um, during all that period, we'll talk about it more next Sunday. I'll give you a straight timeline so you can kind of put all the pieces together. These guys head off to Emmaus. 
They, they hear, they've heard things, but they don't believe it. Neither would you. And they're walking their way back to, to Emmaus to have a meal, probably together with family. And as they're headed that way, they're, they're a little bummed. They're a little sad. But it says, as they went that way, look what happens. As they were talking uh, with each other about all these things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, here's the beauty that I see. They were sad. They were confused. They were disappointed. But they didn't know him. And a lot of times when we're going through our stuff, right? When we're having a, a difficult struggle, we can't see him we can't hear him we'll even say i'm praying and and nothing's happening and god's not moving and a lot of times what that relates to how that relates to us is he's not doing what i want he's not doing when i want it and it's not all coming together and so it's difficult for us to see the truth of scripture listen no matter how we feel no matter what emotional state we're in the truth of the word of god is still true god says he is always near unto the brokenhearted. You're confused and disappointed. I promise you, God is near. He's there. But sometimes in our own frustration, pain, whatever you want to call it, we don't see Him. We don't recognize the person coming alongside us to try to give us a gentle touch or a word of encouragement. We don't recognize it because... Our eyes aren't tuned to see it. In fact, you could hear multiple times when you feel this way from people, uh, little words of encouragement, little things to try to encourage you on your way, and that won't register. won't register in your mind. You keep going, but one person says something negative, and what happens? Boom, it compounds. Are you guys tracking with me? And then if you were to sit down and we were to talk, you'd say, nobody said nothing. But if I had a little camera to follow you around... There were people coming alongside, people put gentle touch, a gentle word, right? But they didn't register. Why? Because, because our emotional state, our confusion, our disappointment blinds our eyes. And Jesus is right there beside us. As the scripture says, he is near to the brokenhearted, but we don't see him. We don't recognize him. And so we continue down the road. Now the good news is we know what happens at the end of the road, right? And usually the same thing happens for us. We, we do recognize. He, he just ends up having to do something bigger. Right? I wish I listened to the still small voice. It's better than the two by four. Anybody ever been cracked with a two by four? That'll get your attention. I remember I was at home talking to Kathy on the phone. Uh, we were kids. We were in high school. Now, we dated in high school, and I'm talking to her on the phone, and I don't know if you guys remember high school back then. You didn't have cell phones. That was a phone with a cord with a little curly wire attached to it that could stretch all over the house. So you could answer the phone, go into another bedroom, close the door, be talking on the phone. Well, if mom or dad wanted to use the phone, they couldn't use the phone because me and Kathy were talking. About what? Nothing. You remember the, you hang up. No, you hang up. I'm not going to hang up. You hang up. No, I'm not going to hang up. You hang up. I bet we did that for hours. Yeah, I think I fell asleep a couple times while she was talking to me on the phone. So here I am talking on the phone. I remember distinctly somewhere in the background, 
hearing a voice. It turns out to be my mom. But I was ignoring because I was so focused on what I was doing. But when the broom hit me on the back of the head, all of a sudden, I came back to reality. And initially I said, what are you doing? And she's like, I've been yelling at you for 10 minutes and you haven't heard me yet. So I used a two by four to get your attention. Sometimes I think God is talking to us, but we're not listening. We're not tuned to the frequency. We're tuned to the me frequency. And I, I need to get out of that. I need to get off of that. And I need to get on to, focused on him. His word. So Jesus draws near. They don't know who he is. And he said to them, what's this conversation you're having, holding with one another as you walk? And so they stood still, looking sad. They're a little blown away, right? Like, what? You don't know? So one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Now, did he know? Yeah. He wants to know what they're so sad about. Did they believe God's word? Did you know that every single time Jesus said that I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, I'm going to be beaten, scourged, crucified, and then there was another line. And on the third day, I will rise again. So it's a legitimate question that the Lord is asking. Why are you guys so sad? It's the third day. Why are you so sad? And it, it harkens back in Luke chapter 16. You remember Jesus told a story about the rich man and Lazarus? We talked about it. And when we talked about the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus is asking, uh, Would you, Jesus, send, uh, send Lazarus back to my brothers to tell them about this place so they don't come here? And you remember what Jesus said? They have the law and the prophets. If they won't believe the word of God... Neither will they believe if someone was to rise from the dead. If we won't believe what God's word says, you won't see the miracle. Not because the miracle won't happen. You just won't see it. You won't recognize it. You won't acknowledge it. I remember I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago a little bit of my testimony. And I remember talking to my dad after the days of of HIV and wondering what that was all about and what that was all for and how God was going to use it. And I remember my dad's telling me a story. He says, well, there was this fella working up on a roof. He's a roofer and it was a sharp pitch on a two-story roof and he began to slip. And once you start to slip, off you go, man. He's going to go off that roof, not tied off. And so he cries out to the Lord, only has time to say, Lord, save me. And right then, a nail caught his belt loop. And it stopped him. And he said, sure is lucky that nail was there. <laughs> I don't know. Is it lucky or not? Do you really know? I think sometimes we're, we think we're so full of understanding and we have no idea. Do you know? Do you know? You know, I've had, I've had people tell me a hundred different reasons why my test my, my blood tested positive for HIV and here's what I know I don't know why at all I know there was about 
a hundred Marines in that lot that went in to go to the Persian Gulf out of our unit, and I was the only one. So the idea of screwed up tainted blood don't work. And a screwed up test, I don't know, one person? They screwed up one? The rest of them they got right? Everybody I watched die in the hospital, they were the ones that the guys got right. But I was the one they got wrong. Do you have eyes to see? The reality is, when we get so inwardly focused, because the pain is real. Nobody's denying that. The tears are real. The heartache is real. That's all real. No one's denying that. But so is Jesus. And he's there. A 16-year-old boy sitting out with his sheep, watching the sheep and how they interacted with one another and how he interacted with them. And he's just kind of blown away by all the examples he sees around him. So he picks up a pen and he writes down something we still read today. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the 23rd Psalm. Written by a teenager watching sheep. And when he's writing it, what does he say? Does he say we're not going to have struggle in life? In fact, right dead center, the 23rd Psalm is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You, did he say you're not going to have to walk it? Did he say you're not going to have the pain in your life? This is not going to be any suffering. not going to be any heartache. not going to be any disappointment. No, he doesn't say any of those things. What does he say? When you're there, what? I will be with you. I will not be afraid, the psalmist said, you are with me. Do you see him? Whatever pain you're in, whatever hurt was going on in your life, whatever disappointment, I know, I don't know them all. But I know a lot of them. And whatever it is, do you have eyes to see that Jesus is near? And he's asking you, why are you sad? Don't you believe the things, the promises that God gives us in his word? Don't you believe that this present suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in him? That's Romans chapter 8. To hold on to the truth of God's word, what it says, even in the middle of the dark will help you see there's Jesus. Will help you recognize the comfort, the touch that is given. But it's hard to see it when we're blinded by our own emotion. Look, I know this. I, I, for a long time, guys, I struggled for a long time. My life was so screwed up. I'm the, I'm, I tell you, I, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know if you're here today. I can't see everybody because I took my glasses off. But... I had somebody tell me, I was, I was visiting with somebody who had come the Sunday I shared my testimony and They had mentioned, you know, sometimes we put preachers on a pedestal, but man, you're pretty screwed up. <laughs> now, it wasn't in a bad way. It was, we were having a great conversation. It was cool. And the point of it is, I, I, that's what I want you to understand. Yeah, that God transforms lives. That he changed me, he changed you. God gave me an autistic son after all that stuff is over and I finally am doing what God wants me to do 
My third born son was born autistic. And I, don't have, I can't have normal conversation with him. And I remember crying out to God in my backyard, all bitter and upset that this was not the way this was supposed to go. I, I had to go through a period of time where I mourned the son I thought I was going to have so I could begin to rejoice with the son I do have. I cry out to God and I'm disappointed. I'm sure God was there asking me, why are you so sad? Don't you believe what the Bible says? Don't you believe what the Word of God teaches? I've learned more through my son Joseph than all the years of Bible college, all the classes I've ever taken, all the books I've ever read. I have learned more about my relationship to God by watching my relationship to Him, just like David learned by watching sheep. I learned more. There was things for me to see. And sometimes our frustration causes us to have blinders on. And you don't recognize it. There he is. We had hoped, they say. They say, didn't you know what was going on? Yeah, he knew what was going on. He says to them, we were, we were following these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, past tense, that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day. Yeah, it's the third day. That should be echoing in your head. Something about day three, no? Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came back and said that they had seen a vision. They saw angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us ran to the tomb, but they didn't see him. They found it just as the woman said, him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart. What's he say? To believe what the prophets have spoken. Don't you believe what God's word says? I have this conversation with people. This is my number one conversation with people in counseling. Look, at some point, I told you what to do. I've given you the tools. If you don't do it, there's nothing I can do for you. Do you get it? Here's what the Word of God says. There are plain things. This is not, it's not rocket science. The reality is, the bottom line is, we're a bunch of three-year-olds. Every single one of us. We're a bunch of three-year-olds because I don't want to do what I don't want to do, and I don't want to do it, and that's just how it is. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Die for her. Bible says, Wives, how's it go? Oh my goodness, they know it. Wives, submit unto your husband as to the Lord. So the idea, Scripture lays out in, in Ephesians 5.31, it says, So let every husband love his wife as Christ loved the church, and see that every wife respects her husband. That's the whole thing summed up. I don't want to do it. Why? Well, he's not good. He's not nice. He's not, he's not, he's not, she's not, she's not, she's not. You know, I just messed up. I picked the wrong one. There is no such thing as the right one. 
We all tell jokes, right? That someone has a broken man picker or a broken woman picker. They're all broken, just so you know. They're all messy. The whole point of the covenant was to say, Okay, God. You, me, and Kathy are going to make this work. It's me and her forever. Period. And we'll figure it out. Don't you believe what the Word of God says? Don't you believe what God is able? Now I know we all are failures, right? You guys know my story. Some of you, I know your story. But the reality is God redeems. Did you hear what they said? We had hoped He was the one who would redeem. We thought He was the one who was going to make it all okay, but now He's dead. I thought Jesus was the way I followed Him, but as soon as I followed Jesus, my next son was born autistic. Oh, I thought Jesus was going to be the answer to all my problems. And as soon as I came to Jesus, then my whole life started to fall apart. Anybody ever felt that way? Here's one. I came to Jesus and all of a sudden I lose all my friends. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Those aren't uncommon. Those are common things that we struggle with and that we feel. They thought Jesus was the answer. The reality is He is. He is. Don't you believe what the Scriptures say? Do you believe what the Word of God tells us? He says, why won't you believe it? Was it not necessary for the Christ that He should suffer these things to enter into His glory? He's saying, isn't this what was supposed to happen to Messiah? Do you believe what the prophet said? Daniel chapter 9 says, Messiah will be karat. In the, in the Hebrew, karat means cut off, put to death. Well, you're shocked? Daniel chapter 9 says Messiah would be cut off, that he would be put to death. Isaiah 53 says that he would be put to death, not for his own sins, but for the sins of others. Oh, that's crazy. Don't you believe... What the Bible said, what the prophets told you. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what I think he wants us to be able to glean. It says in verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. They had a Bible study. The word of God gave them a Bible study on the word of God. Isn't that cool? That's the best commentary ever. I don't care. People ask me all the time. What I have, I it's, I have commentaries I spent $2,000 for. That's not a whole bunch of them. That was one commentary. These guys are proud of the things they do. You could buy a truck or you could buy a book. And I bought the book. That's how dumb I am. I have commentary. People ask me all the time, what's the best commentary? Jesus is the best commentary. If you, anytime you get Jesus to expound on the Word of God, teaching us the Word of God, oh man, I wish I could have sat there. It says he began with Moses. That's Genesis. And he expounded to them through Moses and the prophets all the things concerning himself. So we start with Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelicum, the first mention of the Gospel. Genesis 3.15, right? The, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. The serpent would bite his heel. 
Proto-evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel. Seed is not plural, it's singular. One particular seed. One particular seed is this is going to happen to. Isaiah 53 says that there will be a suffering servant. Most rabbis say the suffering servant is Israel. Israel. Corporate Israel is the suffering servant and they've suffered. And that's what Isaiah 53 is about. The problem is, Isaiah 53, grammar matters. Uh, Jerry Zinn tells me that all the time. Um, Isaiah 53 is singular. He. Not plural. They. Singular. It's talking about one. One servant who's going to suffer. Jesus goes through, talks to him about Daniel, works his way all the way through these scriptures, telling him about the things that's going to happen, what's going to go on, because the scriptures lay it out for us. The answers we need are found there. The answer you want that will be the magical taking away of whatever is hurting, that's not there. What is there? Life is hard, and God is good. Just so you know, truth is what comports to reality. And that is real. Life is hard, God is good, the Word of God is absolute Truth. It says, so they drew near the village where they were going. He acted like he was going to keep going. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. Now in that culture, hospitality is an important thing. This is one of the things I love about Idaho. When the very first week I come to Idaho, my son Cole was still living with us. He hadn't moved to Boise. He wasn't married yet. And he uh, he came with us, so we were looking for a, a vehicle for him. So I'm driving around Filer, and I seen a truck that had a for sale sign on it. So I pull over to look at this truck and while I'm looking at the truck the guy in the house comes out and we start talking about the truck you know what's going on with the truck and then pretty soon we're talking about life in Idaho and then pretty soon he says why don't you come in and have some uh, sun tea sure I'll have some sun tea and I go inside and sit down and drink sun tea I spent three hours at this guy's house just talking no, no earth shattering things just people being hospitable kind to one another we need to practice that. Yeah? We need to practice that. These guys, Jesus is like, okay, well, this is your stop, okay. And he goes like he's going to keep going. And they're like, oh, no, come on. Come on. Come on in and eat. Come on in and be a part. Come on in. So they invite him in. It says, so when he was at the table with him, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open. Everybody asks the same question. Why? What opened their eyes? Some people say, well, you remember, last supper, Jesus broke the bread. Maybe they, maybe he did it a certain way all the time. Uh, maybe. Well, maybe while he was handing them the bread, they saw his hands. What's in that? Or well, there's nail prints, right? Scar. Something. Some say whole. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. I don't know. What I know is in the beginning it said God closed their eyes. And now their eyes were open. Whenever I'm struggling to get somebody to see, or whenever I'm struggling to see, my prayer is always the same. God, open my eyes. 
Open my eyes. Because sometimes I put the blinders on. Sometimes God puts the blinders on. But I know if He does, the answer is the same. Who opens the eyes of the blind? The Lord does. Who opens the eyes? If I can't see Him, if I don't hear Him, if I don't feel Him, then that's my prayer. God, open my eyes. Because you said in your word, you're here. But I can't see you. I don't feel you. So open my eyes. Open my eyes. Do you know that straight out of the Psalms? Lord, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your word. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart willing to comprehend. Sometimes we don't want to understand. Sometimes we just want it our way, right? So Jesus is seen. They, they recognize him. And as soon as they recognize him, what happened? Poof, he's gone. That's frustrating. No? Man, there are some times when I'm studying the Word and I'm, and I'm drawn near to God that I just get such clear, clear sight, right? I'm seeing, I'm feeling it, I'm comprehending Him, I'm understanding, and then it's like in a second, poof, I'm back to the flat tire on the truck or the whatever. It's raining. And it's warm. That's two bad things. Why is that bad? Because I can see the three billion weeds coming up in my driveway right now. Yeah. And I talk to a guy. I try to find people to squirt in my yard with everlasting death. I want it all dead. I want everything just dirt. No mowing. No sweeping. No, I guess where I came from. The land I came from was the land of the dirt people. We didn't have grass. We didn't have weeds because nothing grows in a desert. I'm longing for those days when it's, it's, it's just everywhere. My grass, oh, it's not growing so good. But my driveway, growing great. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm distracted again, right? And I'm thinking about something else and poof, he's gone. This is what I love about Hosea. The book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea, he said... Here's what I want from you, my people. This is what he was saying to Israel. This is what I long for from you. That you would love me faithfully. No matter what. Right? Now don't we all want that from other people? Well, that's good news. God wants that from us. And the second thing, that you will know me. Now, knowing someone else requires pursuit. You can't know someone without pursuing them, right? You can't know someone if you don't spend time with them. You can't know someone if you don't talk to them. You can't know someone if you don't engage with that person. You'll never know them. They're that person over there. That person I'm afraid to talk to or I don't want to talk to or I didn't reach out to or whatever. You can only know people you connect with. This is what God wants. The pursuit. He wants us to pursue Him.
So when those things happen and poof, he's gone, what do these guys do? Man, hightail it. There's a seven-mile walk. I bet they made it back a lot quicker than they made it to Emmaus. What do you think? Now, I couldn't. I made a deal with the Lord after I got out of the Marine Corps, I swore I would never run again. <laughs> if I am chased by a bear, I'll turn around and say, eat up. <laughs> I am not running. I did enough running for the rest of my life. My wife keeps buying me exercise equipment. <laughs> for, what did we, was it, Christmas wasn't that long ago, was it? It must have been Christmas. She bought me a, Thanks. Bowflex. Yeah. She's in his head again. She bought me a she bought me a Bowflex thing. And I told her, the only thing that will ever happen to that Bowflex is it will be the place where I hang my shirts. My shirt's hanging on it right now. In another few months, you could get a brand new Bowflex for next to nothing. Because I that has not made one circle in the pedal thing. Not what I'm never doing it. I don't care. Now you, if you want me to change, pray. If you're okay with it, then be okay with it. I told Kathy I only do things with motors, and if I got to be the motor, I don't do it. She bought me a bicycle. I don't ride it. She bought me a kayak. I don't paddle it. I have a Harley. That has a motor. I like that one. The rest of them, I don't want them. I don't want none of that stuff. I'm not going to do... These guys, I'm thinking they were so amped up after seeing Jesus, they're running. Now, in the Marine Corps, that's a long time ago. I, I could have done seven miles, probably 40 minutes, 45 maybe. And uh, which was moving for me. There, there were faster guys, but, but that was moving. And these guys, I don't know when they got there, but they got back in the evening, right? They get back to Jerusalem where all those guys were talking about. Now, meanwhile, while they've been gone, they've all been experiencing the same thing they did. Because here's the reality. Jesus is in a spiritual body from now on forevermore he is a representation of the unknowable god that we can see touch feel know that that that's uh, this is not great theological language but hopefully you guys get the heart he is he is god that that we can experience know touch see all of those things now and he will be that representation moving forward. Although the Father will be there when we get to heaven, maybe we'll be able to see him there. But we can't see him now. The Bible says no man has seen the Father. None. So we have, but we have the Son who reveals the Father to us. And there he is. And he's showing up to the guys at Emmaus. And at the same time, perhaps he's talking to Peter. And at the same time, he's talking to Peter. Maybe he's talking to Mary Magdalene. You guys remember all these? Because you, you and I, we're limited by time and space, but I don't think God has to be. Not even in a physical body. I don't know. All I know is they were experiencing Jesus, and they run back, and listen to what happens. So it says they, 
They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn when he talked to us, when he told us about the scripture? And they got up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven. So these guys aren't part of the twelve. They found the eleven. Uh, those who were with them gathered together. And they said, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. So Peter saw him. When? Same time? I don't know. Could it have been? Maybe. Maybe. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he is known to them in the breaking of bread. And so they're all sitting around, they're getting excited. They're going, you saw him? We saw him too. And then all of a sudden he was gone. Yeah, me too. He was there and then, then he wasn't. And, and so what does that mean? What are, what are we supposed to do now? And they're talking and they're talking about all of these things. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said, peace. Man, that should have struck them in the heart when he said that. Do you know why? Three days earlier, on a dark night, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Peace. I want you to be at peace. We are all transfixed by our circumstances. And our peace does this. Right? Peace, no peace. Peace, no peace. Peace, no peace. Peace, no peace. Right? But what is it that that Jesus wants? He wants us to have peace. Well, as long as our peace and no peace is on a track like this because it depends on our circumstances, you're not going to know peace. But as soon as you realize that He is our peace, then you realize you can have peace 24-7. Whether you got cancer or you don't. Whether your marriage is broken or fixed. You can have peace because He's your peace. doesn't depend on your situation. doesn't depend on our circumstances. So Jesus comes, now they're all high, they're, ex- they're excited, man, this is awesome, this is exciting. So he says, peace, peace unto you. Remember, I give you peace, I want you to have peace. He is our peace. I can have peace for the storm, I can't have peace when I don't have answers. When I look around and I think, why is my life going like this? Well, I can have peace because Jesus is my peace, not my stuff. Not whether or not my bills are paid. They get paid, they don't get paid, whatever. I can still have peace because Jesus is my peace. I'm living or I'm dying. I can still have peace because Jesus is my peace. That's something that Job understood. Only Job only understood it through the Father. He said, I, God is my peace. I don't understand what to do with all this stuff, but though he slay me, I will praise him. Because he's my peace. He's my God through good or bad. He's my everything. That's either true or it's not. But if it's true, you can have eyes to see. You can have the peace that that was missing in their circumstances. They were startled and frightened when they saw him. They thought he was a spirit. 
So he said to them, why are you troubled? Here now, you were just excited a second ago, talking about me, and here I come, I pop in, and you're freaking out. Stop freaking out. I'm hungry. That's basically what he said. Well, you don't see that? He said, he says to them, why are you troubled? Why do, do doubts arise in the spirit? See my hands, my feet? It's me. Touch me and see. Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, you got anything to eat? 2009, I got here in 2009. I rode a uh, 2000 and f- 2005, was it 2005? I think it was a 2005 Heritage Softail, 21-inch apes. It was a my favorite bike I ever had in my life. Why was it cool? Because my hands were way up here. Yeah, my butt hurt so bad riding it from California to Idaho, but I rode it all the way. And we got in here, and I was riding it, and I'd ride it in here, and I was, oh, man, I like that bike. One Wednesday night, I said, man, this, you know what? I love this bike, but if God wants it, he can have it. So he took it. The next day. Thursday, I'm coming to church for worship practice. I'm coming down pole line right at Chris Moore's. You guys know where Chris Moore's is? Where the, where the pumpkin patch is and the sweet corn. Oh, my goodness. That's good, sweet corn. So I'm coming down the road right there at Chris Moore's house in a, a truck selling meat. I always call it a meat truck. It was really a van. I see him getting ready to turn left into Chris Moore's. And I, whenever a car's turning left, I always go, you see me. And he looked back at me and said, I see you. And then he hit me. Yeah, I hit that front bumper. 50 miles an hour. I was waiting for my leg to shatter against the front of the van. But I have crash bars on that Harley. The crash bar hit first. And the crash bar hit so my leg never hit the, the truck. I was, I was waiting for the explosion of leg and there was no explosion of leg. So I was, remember being shocked about that. While I was flying through the air holding on to those bars, my legs flapping like a wind... The good news about having ape hangers is you can go right through the bars like a field goal. Foosh! Went right through the bars. <laughs> Leonard Crismore said he was eating dinner and he looked out his window and seen a guy fly right by the window into his yard. I missed every tree, all the tractors laying around, landed in his grass that he had just flood irrigated. I had better chance of drowning than I had of getting too hurt. I whacked my head a couple times and somehow I got a burn on my arm from my motor. So somewhere in the tumbling, my arm was in the motor. I don't know when that happened, but nothing's broke, right? Everybody's running up to talk to me, and, and I couldn't talk. It took me a while to figure if I wanted to speak to people anymore. You know, <clears throat> my bike was all wadded up in the corner. So the ambulance takes me, and they take, rush me over to the hospital, and then news goes to the church. Oh, the pastor been here three months, and he got hit. Motorcycle wreck, oh my gosh. You know, and the pastor before me... Um, had died of cancer, so people were like, oh man, if he dies, I'm going to kill him. And so they, they, they all come to the hospital, there's a bunch of people at the hospital, and, and so the trauma guys are running around me and go, well, what's wrong with you? I tore my pants a little. <laughs> well, we're going to make sure. So they run scans, and then they come out and say, you okay? I said, yeah, can I leave now? 
They said, yeah, you can go. So they wheeled me out into the waiting room where all these people are. You know what I said? Hey, can we go get some pie? I'm hungry. Nobody wanted to go get pie. Everybody was like, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm... I went to Sherry's for pie with like five people. We had pie. Jesus, when he come back, he's telling everybody, here I am. Well, what did he say? I'm hungry. Let's eat. Isn't it good news we get to eat in heaven? Yeah, he ate. He ate the food they had. Did you see Lori's face in the picture when she was looking like this? That was over their food. There was a big tilapia fish on a plate in front of her. Full fish. Head. Everything. Oh, they taste so good. If you come to Israel, I'll eat yours if you don't want it. It's good food. Anyway, Jesus wants to eat. So he showed him his hands, showed him his feet. says, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Okay, in Moses, Genesis 3. Deuteronomy 18, for sure, you guys need to read those, look at those two sections of Scripture. Psalm 22, I told you a couple weeks ago, make sure you read Psalm 22. Isaiah 53, I'll add to the list. These are all Scriptures that Jesus is talking about that speak about Him. Look what it says in verse 45. Then He opened their minds to what? Understand. Every time you sit down and read the Bible, you should ask that. God, open my mind. Open my eyes. Help me see. So he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise. And here I am. You see me. You're eating with me right now. So we should be in good shape, fellas. He says, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, where? In his name to all nations. Everyone needs to hear what message? Repent and believe. Repent and and believe. He says, you are witnesses. You know what that word is? Let me say it to you with a different word. This is just speaking the Greek word into English. You are martyrs. That's what witness is. Paul used it like this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Martus. Witness. You are my witnesses. So he's going to send them out. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until it comes. So he says, stay here. The, The Holy Spirit's coming. When he comes, he's coming in a few days. When he comes, the church is going to be born. That's Acts. You can continue to read it right through the book of Acts. And he led them out as far as Bethany, lifting his hands. He blessed them. And while he blessed them, guess what? He was gone. That's just real, man. That's just real life. That's exactly how we experience him too. There he is. Where is he? There he is. The pursuit. The pursuit of God. The pursuit of him. To know him and to love him. So what was their response? So they worshipped him. And every day they were in the temple blessing God. Until Acts chapter 2. We're not there yet. But good news We just finished the book of Luke. So, yeah. I think that was under two years. So we're doing good. (laughs) We'll We'll see what we have for you guys next time. But I hope, I hope 
you guys are able just to connect those dots. When we go through the Word of God, it's real. This is not some fairy tale story you're reading about. These are our experiences too. This is where God wants to meet us. Let God meet you. See Him. Have eyes to see. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we lift this time to you, Lord. We pray, God, even as you have met us here, even as your Spirit is with us, moving and working in this place, God, I pray that you would do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. God, that your Spirit would empower us to be your witnesses. That we would recognize the call to go into all the world and call for repentance and belief. God, you are so amazing. And I pray for those of us who may be on our road to Emmaus. I pray that if they are, God, you give them eyes to see. So they can see you. I pray you give them a heart to understand. So they believe all the things that the scripture teaches. So that they can find their hope again. So they don't say, we hoped once. But now they say, I still hope. For he is my hope. He is my peace. So, Lord God, I just pray your blessing upon us, God. Move in this place as we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to worship, and there will be some folks up front to pray with you. So I want to encourage you to come up for prayer.